in the book of John chapter 1. John chapter 1, and I'd like to read those two verses that we read last week, and then continue on in our thoughts about the Word was made flesh. I don't know how in how many books, how many stories, or how many movies there's a problem somewhere in a town or among a people or on an island, and lo and behold, mysteriously, someone comes out of the desert, someone comes on a boat, someone walks into town, and they take care of the problem. The Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, was not just going to walk out of the desert. He arrived in a very, very special way. And this way was in the purpose of Almighty God. God purposed it before the foundation of the world exactly how things were going to take place in the redemption of his people. And he would not leave it up to chance, but it would be an exactly on purpose. Christ was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world the Lamb of the covenant of grace, the Lamb long before He tabernacled among us. He was the Lamb of God slain long before He tabernacled among us. The Lord never tried to do anything. The Lord has always had a purpose and accomplished it exactly. We may try to do something and fail. The Lord never tried to do anything. He did everything on purpose. And he accomplished exactly what he intended to accomplish in that purpose. And he was driven to fulfill that purpose. He always had a purpose and accomplished it exactly. He is more than the Christmas story. Now, I love, I've grown to love in the last 30 plus years, I've grown to love Christmas. The man who brought me the gospel said, if you're not enjoying Christmas, you're missing out on a wonderful family holiday. And that struck me. So I'm enjoying a wonderful family holiday. But it... The story, the gospel, is more than just the Christmas story that a baby was born. He is God come in the flesh. As Brother Mike tried to grasp some of that in the Bible class this morning, it's an ongoing issue with every believer try to grasp God coming in the flesh that God would give up the glory that he had with the Father before the world was and condescend to come down to this place. It was just like it is now when he came. We may not have had all of the sophisticated communication services, but it was just like it is now. The hearts of the people that he was around were dead in trespasses and sin. They had fallen in Adam. They had been born after the common way of birth over all those centuries and days and months and years. And he came down among that group of people with the purpose 
of redeeming, of purchasing all that the Father had given him before the foundation of the world. He came down as God in the flesh. The Lord came as promised. He was made flesh. He always intended to be the sacrifice and the only sacrifice accepted by God to lay down his life a ransom for many to pay the price of their sins. So when we come to this time of year and we make a few comments about Christ coming and being born in Bethlehem as it's declared in the word, we need to continue the story and that's the gospel. Continue that story out. Bring it to its full length. And we find him crying from the cross, it is finished. Redemption has been made. Well, in John chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 14, we'd like to read those two verses again. We find in that first chapter, verse 1, that there truly was no beginning for the word. He has always been. He is the eternal son of God. He is eternally the God, the Son of God. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now over in the book of First John, it tells us, chapter 4, that if we don't believe that God has come in the flesh, or Christ has come in the flesh, we do not belong to Him. And it's more than just not believing that He came in the flesh. It's, it is bound up in the fact that comes by revelation, by the new birth, that God's people believe that he is God come in the flesh. That he is more than just a baby being born, and that he came on purpose, and that he had a mission to accomplish, and that he wasn't driven in his life by circumstances, but circumstances were laid out in this world by the counsel of God before the world began. And that when he came here, he came exactly to do what he said he would do, and he accomplished it completely, and he's now sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for his people. So we read here, he came in the flesh. God, the Word, was God. And in verse 14, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us and John writes, and the other disciples write, and many can say today, and we beheld his glory. As you read the word of God, God's people are going to behold the glory of God in Christ Jesus as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Well, this morning, would you join me over in the book of Luke? Well, stop by the book of Matthew for just a moment. Matthew Back up to the book of Matthew for just a moment in chapter 1 and verse 18. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. In this gospel, we have these words given to us as Joseph was engaged to be married to a lady in Israel. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. 
Now turn with me, if you would, over to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 2. There are many references in the Bible about God coming in the flesh, about the Messiah coming to redeem his people. We heard read this morning or mentioned that this shall be a sign unto you. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, found in the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 9, for unto us a child is born, and for unto us a son is given. And then it gives his name, wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting peace, and so forth. And that is not, shouldn't be commas there, should be hyphens. That is his name. He is the glorious Son of God, known in all of these capacities. Here in the book of Luke, chapter 2, the whole chapter 1 through verse, uh, chapter uh, 2, verse 1 through 20 is so interesting and so delightful to read. But I'm just going to stop by verse 6 for right now. Luke chapter 2 and verse 6, it says, And so it was that while they were there, now they're there by appointment. It just happens to be that God used a Roman emperor to help make the appointment. I don't know, my wife, when she was this far along with our children, would have not volunteered to walk a lot of miles to go to a place on a vacation and marry. That was not her interest. She would have liked to stay home. She's very close to giving birth. And I remember Nancy being quite uncomfortable as she approached that time. It was hard to get comfortable in bed. It was hard to get comfortable standing. It was hard to get comfortable in a chair. It was just hard to get comfortable. And here we find Mary is required by the purpose of God to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem so that she and her spouse, her husband, might be enrolled for future taxes. All the reasons that you are moved from a comfortable place to Bethlehem. Now, why was that necessary? Because the scriptures said that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And God was going to have it his way, as he always does. Now, he knew that they were in Nazareth, and he purposed that they be taken down to Bethlehem. And while they are there to be enrolled by the Roman government for future taxation, it says in verse 6, And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. Now, there is her nine months are over. That's one side of it. The other side of it is the eternal purpose of God has come to this point. God had purposed that his son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, would be born in Bethlehem at a specific date. Would you keep your finger here and go over to the book of Daniel chapter 9 for just a moment? Daniel chapter 9, we find some words that were given to the prophet Daniel. While he is in Babylonian captivity, the angel Gabriel appeared unto him some 500 years before he appeared unto Mary, 
While Daniel is in captivity, the angel Gabriel comes to him and here in Daniel chapter 9 shares with us the time frame in which the Lord Jesus Christ would be born of a virgin in Bethlehem. Now a preacher that wrote many, many years ago in England said this, I shall not occupy your time by attempting to fix the beginning and the end of the period intended by the 70 weeks and the seven weeks and the three score and two weeks. I think we would be well to follow his instructions. I'm not going to tell you what all of that means, but I will, as he said, you will be better nourished upon the Lord himself than upon times and seasons. Suffice it to believe that Jesus Christ, our Lord, the Messiah, came exactly as it was prophesied and remained on earth as it was foretold he should do in the middle of the, pre, of the uh, predestinated week he was cut off. All right, enough said. That's all we're going to say. But notice here in the book of, of uh, Daniel chapter 9 verse 24, the scriptures share this. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. In uh, verse 20, uh, 25, know therefore and understand from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem. That's what we find in the book of Ezra. From the commandment to go forth and restore Jerusalem unto the Messiah the Prince shall be this time. Now we may say, well it sure seemed to be misunderstood by people just like it is today. Well, we have to beg to differ with that just a moment, for we find, in fact, that there were people in the days of the Lord Jesus at his birth, around the time of his birth, and after his birth, that understood that the prophecy had been made, and we're looking forward to that. In fact, it tells us with regard to Simeon. Simeon was a man that had been revealed that he would look for the redemption of Israel. He understood God had revealed to him that during his lifetime he would be permitted to see the Lord's Christ. Somehow he knew what Daniel chapter 9 meant. And there is another person that we find, Anna, look for the redemption of Israel. In the book of Luke chapter 2 and verse 25, in the book of Luke chapter 2 and verse 36, turn with me to chapter 2 and verse 30, 25. We find after the birth of the Lord Jesus that there was a man in Jerusalem. Luke chapter 2 and verse 25, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout. We find those same words used to describe Zacharias. He was just so was his wife Elizabeth, just. What's that mean? Justified. They were not just in their own merit, but they were justified in the merits of Christ. It was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. He had some understanding, and there were others too. In fact, the same chapter, verse 36, chapter uh, 2 and verse 36, 
The scripture says, and there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phineal, the tribe of Asher. She was great age and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity, and she was a widow of fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayer night and day. And she was coming in that instant to give thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spake of him of all that she looked for, the redemption of Jerusalem." There were people that knew what was going on. It had been revealed to them. We have two references. And later, 30 years later, 31 or 32 years later, Jesus is at a well when a woman is there, a Samaritan woman, and she tells Jesus, we know when Messiah is come. There are some people that have been looking for the Messiah coming, the anointed one of God, the purposed one, the promised one, the seed of the woman, as it's recorded in the book of Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. The seed of the woman will bruise the head of the seed of the serpent. Thus, one Jesus Christ would be able to take care of all the issues that fell out as a result of Adam eating that forbidden fruit and disobeying Almighty God. And here we have him. Others came along the way to prophesy about him. The Old Testament is those prophets were continuously sharing with us in all the statements that they made, someone is coming to take care of the problem. We're picturing the problem here. We have a sacrifice, and it's an animal sacrifice, but we're looking forward to him who would come and take care of it on a permanent basis once and for all time. We come to the Gospels. Someone is here. As we found, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. An impossibility, but the words of the, of the angel of the Lord Gabriel to Mary was, with God all things shall be possible. Don't get in a stint over this. Just believe the word. Here we find that those words of Daniel so long ago, the Almighty God appointed a time and set a time when he would come, and he also appointed a time and set a time when he would go to the cross. They made several times, there were instances when there were people that lived on this earth would have taken him and slain him, in various ways, and yet the scriptures say it was not his time. But when it was time, he went to the cross, being in charge of the entire scene. He was in charge of Pilate, he was in charge of the priests, he was in charge of the religionists, he was in charge of his disciples, he was in charge of his very own life. In fact, when he gave up the ghost, he gave up the ghost. No man takes it from me, but I lay it down on myself. And no man is going to bring me into this world. I'll take care of that myself. The Holy Spirit overshadowed that virgin, and she had a holy thing given unto her, and we know him as Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Daniel tells us there in chapter 9 that this one is going to accomplish at least four things in that one verse. He's going to finish the transgression. That's why he came. He is going to make an end of sins. That's why he came. He's going to make reconciliation for iniquity. That's why he came. And to bring in everlasting righteousness. That's why he came. The Lord Jesus was born of a virgin for one reason. Not to intermingle humanity 
with God. Any boy born from a man and a woman would automatically be disqualified. We need someone that's qualified. And the only qualification could be that God would be the father of this child. In the Luke book of Luke there again, Luke chapter 2 and verse 6, it tells us when it was time. And so it was that while they were there in Bethlehem at the appointed place, at the appointed time that God gave to Daniel, by the appointed people that God chose, there was accomplished. She should be delivered. Now, drop down to verse 11, if you would. The angel came to a group of shepherds. And they're out there sheep herding. And they're, I can just see them around their campfire, just had supper. And things go different than they've ever seen. Now, I can imagine that all of them had seen great displays in the heavens of those we call them falling stars, those meteorites, meteorites, all those things happen. They'd been out there. They'd seen all those things. But something's going to happen they'd never seen before. We're going to have an angel talk to them. And it tells us here in verse 12, And this shall be a sign unto you. The previous verse says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. In verse 10, the angel said, Fear not. I know you're pretty upset, kind of afraid of things going on right here, but fear not, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. That word Christ is the same word we find in the Old Testament for Messiah. It means anointed. Think of it. Before the world was ever created, in the council halls of eternity, in the covenant of grace, The Son went to his knees, and God the Father and God the Holy Spirit laid their hands on him and ordained him to be the Lamb which would take away our sin. He was anointed. God the Father anointed him. God the Son anointed him. God the Holy Spirit anointed him for the purpose that was set before him. No one ever had this kind of anointing. There were those high priests during the times of the Old Testament. They were anointed and kings were anointed by oil, olive oil. It even says it dripped down through Aaron's beard, which is a picture of the complete anointing of the Lord Jesus Christ before the foundation of the world. They anointed him, set him aside, put him out, and said, this is, he is the only one that we will ever have respect for when it comes to taking care of sin. All the rest are disqualified. So unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. You know, Christ put himself in the state and circumstances of the church. Think of that. Christ put himself in the same state and the same circumstances that the church was in since the fall, yet without sin. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 16. 
And Ezekiel chapter 16 is a description of the church. Ezekiel chapter 16. Here is a description of the church. Now God intended to walk by him. But this is what the church looks like by nature. He intended to walk by them and said, I'm going to give them life. But this is what they look like. This is what we look like. Beginning with verse 4. It says, And as for thy nativity, in the day thou wast born, all of us are born. All of us are born in the fashion the Lord Jesus Christ would be born. Yet we have a, we have a gene among us that disqualifies us from taking care of our own sin or anybody else's. We have that human gene. We have that gene that's passed on to us from Adam. We have a fallen gene. When we're born into this world, we're half dead. We breathe in air, our heart pumps, but we're dead in trespasses and sin. We have a problem. He said, in your nativity, the day you were born, thou navel was not cut. You weren't taken care of properly. Neither wast thou washed in water to supple thee. Thou wast not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. You weren't taken care of as a proper child. In the fall of Adam, we weren't taken care of. There was nobody to take care of us. In our birth, our parents may have wrapped us up in in blankets and all that, washed us naturally, but when it comes to our spiritual position... We're just not taken care of because there's nobody to take care of us. The high priest couldn't clean us. The best king couldn't clean us. The best prophet couldn't clean us. All of those, when it came down to it, if they were true prophets, true priests, true priests and true kings, they pointed everyone to Jesus Christ. He said, he's the only one that can clean you. He's the only one that can give you life. We can't do it. All that we do can only point to him that can. goes on to say, None, I pitied thee to do any of these unto thee, to have compassion upon thee, but thou wast cast out in an open field. The Lord Jesus Christ put himself in the state and circumstances of the church, which he came to redeem. It was proper he should represent us here also, as in all other points. For we, by reason of sin, was cast out. He was cast out. Follow his life. Where was he born? He was born in a manger. Why? There's no room for him in the end. Now, if he'd have been identified as the Herod's son, he'd have been found in a place. If he'd have been identified as someone important, they'd have found a place for him. Someone would have been on the floor, and he'd have been put in bed with his mother. But he was a nobody. His parents were nobodies. They were from Nazareth, come down to be taxed or enrolled for taxation. And so there was no room for them, no room for him. And he's laid in a manger. He's outcast, and he's going to spend his entire life like that. He had not where to lay his head, he didn't own a house. He didn't own a bed. We find him often going to his friends. But he had no possession here, and yet he is the owner of heaven and earth. To the loathing of thy person in the day that thou wast born. 
That's the description God gives of the church before Christ comes in his redemptive work in his day of salvation. And when I passed by thee, I saw thee polluted. We're not going to get away with what we look like. We, can't, we just can't dress ourselves up enough not to be noticed for what we are. I saw thee polluted in thine own blood. Boy, we have a problem. It's an inherited blood problem. I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. Yea, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. Did you notice in this description it says, we were not swaddled? We were not swaddled. We're not covered. We're not taken care of. Did you hear with me over here in the book of Luke? You, here's a sign for you to look for. When you find a baby laying in a manger in swaddling clothes, Jesus Christ did not have the problems that we have by nature because he came into this world born of a virgin and did not have inherited sin. He is the savior of his people. He was swaddled. It is an indication to us as we read this passage of scripture in the book of Ezekiel that we have a problem. He didn't. And if he didn't have a problem, he can be the savior of his people. If God was in favor with him all through eternity and in his birth and in his life, even as Jesus brings out there, restore unto me the glory that I had with you before the world was. Every step he took was by the obedience of the son to the every command of the father. There was not any issue between the father and the son. There is issues between the Father, Heavenly Father, Almighty God, and humanity because of sin. Now, how are we going to get this taken care of? There's only one. And his name is Jesus. You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. He was swaddled. There was no fault in him. He was perfect in his nature. He was perfect in his stature. He's perfect in every, every examined way. And those that cannot be examined, he was perfect there too. He was perfect in body, mind, and spirit. He was perfect in holiness. He was absolutely the divine Son of God. And when he came suffering as he did for the sins of his people, he could completely take care of the debt that was owed, though he owed no debt. He became poor. I, I just, it struck me yesterday as I was thinking about that. He became poor. That's more than just without money. He became poor. That we might become rich. Where's our riches? In his righteousness. In his salvation. There is no end to it. There's no completion of it. There's no lifetime warranty on it. Covered all and throughout eternity. He's not swaddled. No covering. He was swaddled. He was covered. He is the righteousness of God for us. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. He didn't come out of the desert. He wasn't that person who came and delivered our city or our family or us from a problem. 
just showed up one day. This one had been purposed from eternity. You shall find this day in the city of David, in Bethlehem, a Savior, which is Christ, the Messiah, the Promised One. And beside that, He is the Lord. Oh, religion forgets that point. Christianity declares it. He is the Lord. In the book of 1 John, would you turn there with me in closing? 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. This one, the promised Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, came at the appointed time in the appointed fashion, promised to the Father from before the eternity began. Here in the covenant of grace, I have a Redeemer. I have a Lamb slain. Here in the book of John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And there in verse 2. John chapter 4 and verse 2. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. John chapter 4 verse 2. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus, the actual, true, honest, and complete Savior, he shall save his people from their sins. Christ, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the promised one from eternity, the one who the covenant of grace was made with in, in old eternity, this covenant of grace to redeem a people, is come in the flesh is of God. He has come, born of a virgin, had no speck of sin about him. He laid down his life, a ransom for many. He bore our sin in his own body on the tree. And then it goes on to say, every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. What's that mean? He didn't, oh, he didn't know what he was doing. He doesn't know who he died for. He just went to the cross as kind of secondary. People will teach, preachers will teach, he came to set up his earthly kingdom and people didn't accept it, so he had to go to the cross. What error. Anybody that holds that in their heart just does not know Christ. He didn't plan to do that. He never intended to set up an earthly kingdom. He came to be a savior. He came to be a ransom. He came to be a redeemer. He came to lay down his life. He came for that purpose. He was laid in a manger for that purpose. Goes on to say here, in 1 John chapter 4, and there in verse 3, For every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. Well, John was dealing with already problems in the church when he wrote this. Towards the close of the canon of the book, and there's people that are denying that Jesus Christ is actually God. They're denying that he actually came in the flesh. There's already a... And he said, let's settle this once and for all. Everyone that God has ever saved by the new birth will know in their heart that Jesus Christ came exactly as it was directed in the word of God, that he came born of a virgin, just like it said in the book of Isaiah, and you don't have to translate that word a maiden, you can just leave it alone, because that's how he had to come. 
And when he came, he came just like he said he would, in the place he said he would, at the time he said he would, with one purpose in mind, to redeem his people from their sins. Hallelujah. For Christ coming, God was made flesh and dwelt among us. And he dwelt here for 33 and a half years, and when his dwelling time was over, and his work was accomplished, he went back to where he came from, waiting to wit for every one of his lost sheep to be saved and assembled in his presence for eternity. Doesn't matter.